0: well good morning everyone my name is amy and i'm one of the pastors here and as i mentioned at the start of the service this is the fifth sunday in the season of lent it's our last sunday before we enter into holy week next week with palm sunday and all through lent we've been looking at our scripture readings through this lens of hearing god we've been listening to these familiar passages and asking what do they show us about how we listen to god how we look for God, how we hear his voice, and especially what that voice sounds like. And today we'll listen for God's voice in this story of Lazarus. And it's a story that begins with someone who has already been dead for four days, someone who is really dead, whose body is likely decomposing, dead long enough that the tomb would smell, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and their whole community is heartbroken and grieving, and they have gathered in Lazarus' home that he shares with his sisters, and that's where they all are when Jesus shows up. And as I was imagining this scene as I read and prepared for the last few weeks, I couldn't help but think about where we all were as a church the last time this reading came up in our lectionary. as Our Sunday readings go in a three-year cycle, And that means the last time that we read this on a Sunday was Lent 2020, March 2020. And at that time, the world had just shut down because of the pandemic. And the kind of gathering that we see in Lazarus's house, where people are all crammed together, where they are mourning and lamenting, where they're crying and blowing their noses and sniffling and putting a hand on each other's shoulder and breathing the same air, That was just unheard of. People were dying alone. People were grieving alone. You might remember how people were saying goodbye over FaceTime, how people were touching hands through the windows of nursing homes and hospitals. My closest friend's dad died in March of that year without his children and his grandchildren gathered around, without a funeral. We had another friend who died in June of that year, and we tried to watch his funeral on Zoom from our backyard, and the audio wasn't working, and the Wi-Fi was glitching, and the picture was pixelated. And as we were trying to grieve, trying to be part of this, it just all seemed so wrong. And it was. It was wrong. Sometimes we forget how much we have lost in these last three years what it meant that we lost that ability to grieve communally, the ability to suffer together, and instead we were isolated from one another and locked away in our houses. I think somehow deep down in our bones, we know that grief is meant to be shared. And we see that so powerfully in today's scripture. We see people sharing in suffering and grief, Mary and Martha and the people of their village, More than that, we see Jesus, God in the flesh, sharing in that suffering too. So, as we read this, we're going to listen for how do we hear God in our suffering? How do we listen? What does his voice sound like when we are in pain? We're going to look at what each of these characters in this story hears from God, from Jesus, who is God in the flesh here. And we'll start with the sisters. So Mary and Martha, they both say the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's this word of accusation, they are hurt, they're confused, and they're saying, Jesus, where were you? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you stop this? What kind of Lord are you? And from the pit of their grief, Mary and Martha are honest. They say with their thinking, They don't try to explain it away. They don't put a theology to it. They just lay it out there the way the psalmists always have. They voice all of their grief and all of their frustration and all of their questions. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we are allowed to say things like this to God. We can gesture around and say, look at this. Do you see what has happened? Do you see how bad the problems in my life are? Do you see what's happening in Ukraine? Do you see this world, Lord? Look at these problems. Where have you been? Why did you let this happen? And these might sound like words of disbelief, but there's actually a lot of faith hiding in that kind of complaint to God. Because if we say, if only you had been here, we're also saying, you exist, or I'm going to talk to you as though you exist. And we're saying, things aren't the way they're supposed to be, and you, God, are in charge of how they are supposed to be. We're saying, you're the one I turn to when things aren't right. You have the power to set things right, and I don't understand why you won't, or why you are waiting, or what you are doing. This kind of faithful complaint before God, it creates the space where we can hear him, where we start to listen and attune to his voice, because we have brought ourselves into his presence. And so I wonder... If there is something in your life that needs to be brought to God in this way, that needs to be voiced as an if-only, Lord, if there is something that feels like death or that is a death, something that feels like a dead end or just hopeless, maybe there is something that God wants you to voice like Mary and Martha. I invite you to think about that. And when we spend our five minutes, five, of silence later, you might want to bring those things to God. Well, in his commentary on this passage, N.T. Wright writes this. He says, put yourself in Martha's shoes. Run off to meet Jesus. Tell him the problem. Ask him why he didn't come sooner, why he allowed this awful thing to happen, and then be prepared for a surprising response. I can't predict what the response will be for the very good reason that it is always, always a surprise. But I do know the shape it will take. Jesus will meet your problem with some new part of God's future that can and will burst into your present, into the mess and grief with good news, with hope, with new possibilities. And that's what we've seen all through Lent. We've seen that God's voice sounds like good news. God's voice sounds like new life where things look most dead. And in this text, that voice sounds different depending on who it's talking to because it is always, always a surprise. So when Martha says, if only you had been here, Jesus tells her, Lazarus will rise again. And she thinks that he's trying to give her theology, and she says, yes, I know that, because this was a really common belief at the time. Everyone knew that. But Jesus actually isn't giving her theology. Jesus is trying to give her himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying resurrection isn't an idea. It is a person. It is Jesus. It is being joined with the living God in the flesh, It's God stepping into human sin and pain and grief and death and bringing people into himself and then pulling us out of there. So that, as Jesus tells Martha, though we yet die, yet we shall live. Jesus isn't just talking about resurrection. Jesus is resurrection. And when Jesus calls things to life, they live. And then he asks Martha, do you believe this? And he asks us that too. Do you believe this? Do you believe that dead things become alive in Jesus? Do you hear Jesus calling you to life? And Martha says something pretty amazing in response. She gives the fullest statement of faith we have so far in John's Gospel. She says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. It's that same pattern we've seen all through Lent in Abraham, in Nicodemus, in the Samaritan woman, in the blind man, and now in Martha. We see God meeting these people in dead ends, in confusion, in their limits and their impossibilities and in their grief, and we see that that is the place where he speaks new life. That is the place of new possibilities, and that is the place he invites us to trust him. So what does Martha hear from God? She hears him call her to faith in the one who is the resurrection. And then Mary tells Jesus the same thing. Through her tears, she cries, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Mary hears something really different. The text says Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and Jesus wept. Jesus wept for Lazarus. Jesus wept for Mary and Martha. I think Jesus wept for himself and the suffering he knew was coming. I think Jesus wept for the reality of death itself and everything it takes from us and all the devastation that it is bringing on the earth. Jesus weeps with all of us, He enters into the great grief of our humanity, the grief of sin and death. God goes there and he makes our grief his grief. And Jesus wept even though he knew at some level because he was God that resurrection was coming. But knowing that things were going to turn out okay didn't mean he bypassed the pain of that moment. And we don't have to either. We can weep knowing that he weeps with us. And so what does Mary hear from God? She hears God weeping. And then finally, there's Lazarus. What does Lazarus hear? Well, after four days in the tomb, when he is really, really, really dead, Lazarus hears Jesus say, Lazarus, come out. And he comes. And Lazarus becomes the living, breathing proof that Jesus is calling dead things to life, that Jesus is opening up what he keeps calling eternal life. This is the with God life, a life lived with and in God, with and in his kingdom, in this hope of all things being made new, even in the midst of suffering and death. Back in John chapter 5, Jesus was kind of doing his thing. He was breaking the Sabbath. He was making everybody mad. He was saying he was equal with God and that God was his father. And so people were upset. They were already talking about plotting to kill them. And back then, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth. And then we see Lazarus become this powerful sign that it is true. That resurrection and renewal are real and truer than death. And then in the next chapter of John, just a few verses after today's passage, we read that this is the moment, the raising of Lazarus. This is when everyone starts to believe and follow Jesus. Because it's hard to deny when you see someone who was dead and isn't anymore, that something is really happening here. It's such a powerful, undeniable sign. So much that when the authorities decide in that same section that they're going to kill Jesus, they're also like, let's get rid of Lazarus too. Just too much trouble. So we see Jesus didn't just come to call us to faith, like he called Martha, or to share in our grief, like he did with Mary. He did do that, and he is still doing that with us, but those are pointing toward the real work of Jesus, the work that we see in Lazarus and we can't deny, that Jesus came to defeat death. this past week, during our Thursday midday prayer on Zoom, someone shared the verse from 1 Corinthians 15 that says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so we prayed for all of the needs of this community, of the world, anything that was burdening those of us on the call. We prayed through the lens of that verse. And we can do that because Jesus is destroying the last enemy. The good news is true. Resurrection life is real. And Lazarus is the living proof of that. And we can be too. Our lives can be proof that resurrection is real. So what does that resurrection life look like? We just get a few glimpses of Lazarus on the other side of this. One thing we see is that when he comes out of the tomb, he's still all bound up. He's got his grave clothes still clinging to him. He can't see, he can't walk, he can't free himself. And Jesus asks other people to unbind him. And so we see right there that resurrection life doesn't mean immediately casting off sin and death and all these things that want to cling to us and walking in complete and total freedom. It takes time to be unbound. And we also see that it doesn't look like rugged individualism, that we are stumbling around and we need each other, that Jesus asks us to be for each other, to unbind one another, to help each other see and walk in this new life. The resurrection life that Jesus is calling us to is communal and it is interdependent. We need each other. And the last thing we see of Lazarus in Scripture comes again from the next chapter of John, and we see him with his sisters reclining at the table with Jesus. Lazarus is part of this little fellowship of people who really believe Jesus really is resurrection and life. And so Lazarus is exactly where resurrection people long to be. He is resting at the table with Jesus, the place that we come week after week to be with him and to be fed with one another. So what does Lazarus hear from God? He hears the voice that calls him from death to life, He hears the voice that places him in a community. He hears the voice that gives him a seat at the table. So let's pray. God, I pray that we would hear your voice. We long to hear you. We are listening. God, we bring to you our problems, our griefs, our sins, our regrets, and the things that feel like dead ends. And we ask that you would speak new possibilities there. Help us to hear you, Lord. Help us to trust you. Amen.